0: It's going to be a good day today because we're starting a new series called Consumer uh, Versus Consumed, and um, I'm really excited about that because it's going to be talking about worship and what God wants from us versus what we actually give or what we offer Him. And um, I don't know about you, but just one of the things that I believe is that um, the tendency for us is to get a consumer mentality where it's all about us, and I'm sure that you don't wrestle with that or deal with that in any capacity with your kids or anything where it's about them, but we just believe that society and culture shift in that way. And uh, The other day, actually it's been about two weekends ago, we went to, um, we went to Bush Gardens and my daughter who's six has just re- the, reached the 48 inch mark, so I don't know if you know that, but you can ride roller coasters now, and, uh, which is pretty cool, um, she's never ridden one before and so we started her off with one that goes in the dark, and um, so that was interesting. And uh, when, when after it had um, gone around and she was terrified, uh, we got to a stopping point. She goes, I looked over, I was like, what did you think? And with her hair back and her eyes just like this, she goes, yeah, I'm never doing that again. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, but peer pressure is a beautiful thing because when you bring a friend and they want to do it, they're like, oh, okay, well, it's just two minutes of my life that I'll hate, but it'll be over soon. Um, and so we took her on the, uh, the mock tower Which is the one that goes 248 feet straight up in the air And just drops you straight down And, um, and so, so we get in the little harnesses And we're going up And it's a slow ride I don't know if you've ever done this But it's a slow ride all the way up And you're like This thing's going to stop at any point And you look up and you're only halfway there And uh, you finally get to the top And she goes And I was like Hey baby, how you doing? I'm reaching over and hold her, holding her, <laughs> holding her She goes ah, This was not a good idea, Dad and uh, I said, well, if you can count to two, it'll be over, I promise you, because we're going to fall pretty fast. And, uh, and so, poor thing, it fell, and her feet, you know, they just barely are hanging over the seat. Like, they went up over her head all the way down. And I was like, how was it? And she's like, yeah, I'm never doing that one again either. Um, and, and so finally, um, we rode the Loch Ness Monster, and I do have a point in telling this story. Uh, we rode the Loch Ness Monster, and... Um, and that's the one that you know goes up and it does the two loops so it's her first time doing the loops and it goes into dark three big circles around like this and um, so she get, gets on that and um, her, she's just like I don't know this is not a good idea and uh, so she finally gets on and, and when she gets done she's, she loves it she actually like wanted to do that one again and so she wrote it two more times which I was like hey that you know that's awesome she found one that she likes but while we were getting off of the ride there's a sign there I don't know if you've ever seen it if you've gone there's a sign that talks about when the Loch Ness Monster was established and um, it gives some statistics on it and it said in 1978 it was the world's tallest coaster And, and if you ride that one in comparison to what they have to offer now you're like man this is pretty weak this is a letdown you know but, but it's, I think it stands, it's 130 feet, so that's it. It goes up 130 feet, and then, you know, it's not even like a straight drop. It kind of does like a, you get to the top, you go out just a little bit, and then you go down. And uh, it just got me thinking, like, you know, in 1978, people were talking about this coaster, like, this was it. This is the big deal. You've got to try the Loch Ness Monster because it's so spectacular, and now people are like, Pfft. Man, there ain't even a line on this thing nobody's, nobody's waiting in line really Except for the kids Because it's the weak one to ride Because why? Because we're consumers We get satisfied with something Then what? We want something else We want something bigger We want something faster We want something better And so now there's this roller coaster That I believe is in Six Flags Called the Superman I don't know if you've checked I've got to go ride it Because I was looking it up It's 230 feet uh, of a drop So basically double of what the Loch Ness Monster is and I'm sure people are just waiting in line except all the, you know, the people who freak out over stuff like that they're not but it's just this desire to be faster to be taller, to be better and, and that's the same way for us in every aspect of our life there comes a point where we just become content with what we have and we go, you know what, I, I need something more I need something better and the tendency is to allow that to creep in even things like church right we become the consumer of what takes place in church it's like eh, it's not really the best day you know it was okay you know you go home and you eat lunch you meet with your family and stuff like that and you're like how oh, was church uh oh, you know it was good it was all right and so we have this tendency for it to become the consumer and uh, parents i mean how how is that with your kids you know, you give them one thing, I think I've said this before, I feel like I say it in almost every sermon, but you give them something and after a few minutes or, or days or weeks, it passes on, they want something better, and, and they don't care. I mean, electronics, they pass on, the game, it's the next game, and that's just how we wired, that's our carnal nature. And so we're going to talk about today when the consumer mentality creeps into the church and the consumer mentality uh, coincides with worship. And I'm not exempt either. I mean, just the other day, I went to the, one of our favorite places to eat with uh, some of our staff members. And I always go there because, one, it doesn't take very long to eat there. Number two, it's cheap. And number three, they give you lots of food. So it's like a win winning combination. And it's always packed. And so we went there. I was like, yeah, we'll be in and out in no time. And so we sat down to eat. And I, I never had breakfast there in the morning, but this is the first time we'd eat breakfast. And we go in, and there's hardly anybody there. We sit down. There's maybe five people in the restaurant total, and, and maybe they all ate before we got up. I'm not sure. But anyway, we're sitting there, and it takes this lady like 10 minutes before she finally comes over. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, this service is slow. And... Um, So he finally signals over there, flags her down. She comes over. She's like, yeah, I don't know where the waitress is. What y'all want? And I'm like, okay. So she writes it down. She goes off. She comes back about five minutes later. She forgets something. She's like, oh, let me go get that. She goes, gets it. Come back and take our order. Then two people get their meal. The other guy's sitting there for like 10 minutes. I'm like, man, can you check on his? I mean, we're, we're almost done eating. He hadn't even got his. So they finally bring it in. And I just find myself getting frustrated. Like, I'm like, dude, it, there's nobody in here. I mean, I'm making all these excuses. Like, it, it, this, it's not that hard. I waited tables for a long time through college. Like, you just go get it. And so I, I'm going through this in my mind. And then she finally brings the food. It's wrong. She, she goes. She fixes it. Then we ask for the check. It takes forever. And I'm just like, I'm sitting in my chair. And, and I'm not being very holy at the moment. And, and i just an honest, transparent moment. And I'm like, is going on? And I'm going to tell you, like, just that quick, in the moment, God spoke to my spirit. And I don't have these often, but it was like, you're going to get up there and you're going to tell the story because you are preaching on this actual thing, being the consumer this week, and so you're not exempt. So I'm still working on you. So I want to say, I'm not out here going, here's what you guys need to do. I'm saying, just this week, I'm struggling with this myself. Can we be real and transparent like that? And so... It's just reminded me uh, a lot about in my own personal life. And so all of us do this. We don't get what we want. We don't feel, get what we feel like we deserve. And so, so we struggle. We get this bad attitude. We go, you know what? I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going I'm to pick up my ball. I'm going to go play somewhere else. And so this is the tension that we're going to settle today. So let me just ask you this question first and foremost. What is the one thing that God wants from us most? And we have the power to either give it or withhold it. What's the one thing that God wants more than anything else in our life? And we have the power, we we have in our graphs the power to give it or to withhold it. It's our worship. and It is our worship of Him. Now, what do you mean by worship? Our worship is our adoration. What we attribute the highest value, the the number one priority, the thing in our life, what we attribute that to. And here's what we, we must understand. That every day... And at almost every moment, everything around us is fighting for our worship. Okay, here's the tension. Today we come in here, and we stand, and we sing, and many of us, we we took communion, we've done all these things. But when you walk outside the door, everything that's going on in the world is fighting for your attention. It's fighting for it to be the highest priority in your life. And there's this battle going on of what we will ascribe our worship to. But here's the thing, this is, this is not anything new. I mean, this has always been around. From actually the beginning of time, this has took place. And if we go back to Isaiah chapter 14, if you have your Bibles, I'll give you a moment to get there. If not, it'll be on the screen. Even to the origins of heaven in Isaiah 14, we get this clear picture of what happened, the mentality and the fall of Satan and why he was cast out of heaven along with the angels. It's the consumer mentality It is the pride It is the you know I will And if you go through that I encourage you to write down Underline, highlight, circle Whatever you do You'll notice there's five I wills That are in this scripture And so if we look at Isaiah chapter 14 It's going to give us a little bit of understanding And Isaiah contrasts this to the king of Babylon And Jesus even alludes to this In Luke chapter 10 as you can see and we'll see the mentality here of what Satan had and while he was kicked out of heaven. And it says, we'll start there in verse, um, actually it might be 12. It says, How you have fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn. You have been cut down to the earth. You who have weakened the nations. And he says, You said in your heart, and heart is a very key word there, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God and I will on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north I will ascend above the heights of the clouds I will make myself like the most high and so we see the five I wills I'll ascend I'll become greater I'll raise my throne above yours I'll sit on top he says I'll ascend above the heights of the clouds I'll make myself like the most high and this is is the "I will" mentality that we see, while Satan was kicked out with a third of the angels, because it became about him. It wasn't about the thy will. It wasn't about God's will. It was about His will and what He wanted. And so Jesus was not even uh, exempt from this. When we see before all His ministry starts in Matthew chapter four, Jesus is tempted. He's going through the wilderness. And it says Satan tempted him in verse 8 through 10. And he says, if you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give you everything that you see. He takes him there to the top of the mountain. He says, Look out as far as you can see. If you'll just bow down and worship me, he said, I'll give you everything that you see. And so Jesus wasn't even exempt from this temptation. And so the battle lines were drawn at that moment. The battle lines were drawn who you will worship. Will it be a I will? Or will it be a thy will? Will it be God's will? And since that moment, Satan has never stopped and he uses whatever means necessary to get what he wants. And I'm not saying this is scripture, but this is one of the things that I believe. When Satan views and looks at us, when the enemy, and, and Satan's not, number one, he's not omnipresent, so he's not everywhere at one time, but the enemy. Here's what I believe he's probably content with. If we aren't worshiping him, if we aren't worshipping what he's about, he's probably just as content of, of with us worshipping things other than God. If that makes sense. In other words, if you're not going to worship me, as long as you're not worshipping God, you're basically not worshipping God. And he's probably just as content with that as he is with us worshipping things that he's about. And so the big question is, because all of us in here, every single one of us, myself included all of us worship something, the question is, what do we worship? Then whom and how do we worship? Just put it in practical terms. I mean, there's people who who literally live, sleep, eat, and breathe everything related to dance. Now, dance in itself is not bad, right? My daughter's in dance. But there's people and that's consumed their life. That is the highest priority in their life. All of their finances go to dance. All of their time goes to dance. Their talents go to dance. Everything they do, they have ascribed the highest authority to dance. In itself is not bad, but when you put it above God, it becomes the thing that you worship. The same thing can be true and said for sports and activities. People attribute their entire lives to, to baseball and basketball and, and just giving all of themselves. They, you know forsake uh, church, they forsake their family, they forsake their time, they forsake their spouses to go and play baseball or basketball or whatever travel ball uh, that they want to do. The truth is, I could probably, and you could probably, we could all look at each other's calendars if we're organized, but that's, you know, another subject in itself. All of us could look at each other's calendars and we could see what we worship. Right? We could see what has the highest priority in our life and what takes the most time. In our lives And here's another thing I believe Is all of the pain that is in our lives Everything that we struggle with The pain that we've uh, dealt with in our lives Can all be attributed back to worshipping the wrong thing I'll Let that sink in for just a moment All of the pain that we have in our lives Can probably be traced back to worshipping the wrong thing And so a person you know, who, who worships you know, money, or a job, or relationships is a huge one, and people who are just consumed with one person, and they pour all of their time, and all their emotions, and all their energy into that, and then they break up, and they just feel empty, and then they make wrong choice after wrong choice. It can all be led back to worshiping the wrong thing. You know, there's people, uh, exercise isn't wrong, right? I mean, there's lots of people who do it, and physical appearance is you know I believe important and, and we should try our best to, to live healthy lives and all, all of these things but people who are consumed with that and that's all they do and they worship physical appearance that in of itself isn't, isn't wrong but when it becomes the thing that you worship it becomes the thing that you put higher than God then that becomes a wrong thing so I think it's first important for us to define because worship is such a broad term we need to define what worship we're talking about because uh, by show of hands And it don't feel like you have to But it does help with the illustration How many of you just You grew up in church Like you felt like Man every time the doors were open uh, I got either I got drugged to church Right You were And, and so um, when, when we hear the term worship What do we think of We think of the part Where all of us just stood And sang those three songs Right That's the moment we go Oh okay yeah That's worship I, I stand on the stage at Princeton Most every single week And when the countdown stops I go hey guys Let's all stand to worship and so there's this mentality that worship is singing, right? Worship is clapping. Worship is, is shouting. Worship is, um, you know, taking that 15 to 20 minutes together. And, and that's what we think of when worship. But it's ultimately so much more than that. While music is an avenue for us to worship, it is not primarily worship. It is just a way for us to express and to worship. It's not the first part of the service. It's one point in the service where we can do it. You can be actually right now in this moment worshiping. You say, well, how do, how do I do that? Well, we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Is a, a time when we express our adoration and thanksgiving to Him. So music is just a means to do that. You can worship by playing the drums, by playing the guitar, by singing, by clapping, by playing the keyboard. Those are ways. Now, there's a lot of misconceptions about worship because I, if I were to ask you this, and I won't, Obviously, how many of you are worshipers? Some of you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, but some of you go, man, I'm not a singer. I can't carry a tune in a bucket. You know, you're like, I'm a, I'm a prison singer. I'm always four bars behind, you know. Um, there's, there's many of you go, just, man, that's not me. I'm not a worshiper. Let me say first and foremost to you that that is not true. Number one, all of us were created in the Imago Day, the image of God. And all of us were created to worship for God's glory and His purposes. And so you can't say, I'm not a worshiper. You might can say, I can't sing, but you can't say that I'm not a worshiper because you were created in the image of God. And so first we must understand that God, He actually longs for our worship. That is His desire. And again, going back to what we said, you have the power to hold on to that or you have the power to release that and give that to Him. So when we look at John chapter 4... We see that there is, I won't say a prescription, but there's a way in which we can worship accurately. So if you have your Bibles, John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, it'll be on the screens for you as well. We see it says, but an hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, as I was reading this, and I was uh, studying this, looking at commentary and just going back... I couldn't help but to be brought back that when you say the word true worshipers, that implies that what? That there's there's a way that can be false. There's a way that can be fake, right? With everything that we do, it's true and false. I always hated those questions on the test, didn't you? It's like a 50-50 shot, and you're like, ah, oh, it only could have been one other answer. And they always tell you to vote for C on the multiple choice. I don't know why, but... You know, I was a teacher, and every time they pre-programmed, this is a side note. Okay, don't, don't listen to anything I said. But true and false, there's a true way to worship, and then there's a false way to worship. And so we see, okay, so what is that? If it insinuates that there's a wrong way, let's, let's figure out the right way, and then maybe that will help us in the wrong way. And so it says, backing up, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for such people the Father seeks. So when we see what God actually long and seeks after, it's people who worship Him in truth, people who are true in their worship. And He seeks those people to be His worshipers. So I just, I love that picture, the idea of God actually seeking out, longing for, standing there ready, waiting for the people who are going to worship Him in the proper way, in truth. And it goes with intention. In, in verse 24 it says, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship. Here's the two prescriptions. One, in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. And you go, okay, so, all right, I, I see the words. All right, unpack them. Like, what do they mean? So we know he's looking for those two things. In spirit and truth, the spirit of God the li- that's living inside of us, what is going on inside of us, the heart, our actual heart. And you can attribute to that. So we know that the spirit goes on. We know that if, if Christ... If we've asked Christ to live inside of us, he, he dwells inside of us. Okay, and so everything that's going on inside of us, His Spirit, it comes out and worship because it can't help itself. Right? When we stand here and we sing and we proclaim and we read and we, and we do all these things, what is inside of us, the Spirit has to proclaim the greatness and the glory of God because that's what He's put inside of us. And we've sent, we sing that line in the song, I believe it's by Elevation, By your Spirit I'm alive. From the ashes I've been redeemed. The resurrecting king is red, resurrecting me. And so we see, by your spirit, I'm alive in Christ. Because Ephesians 2.1, I believe, says that we were dead in our sins and our trespasses in which we used to live, the ways of the world, the kingdom of the ruler, of the air, the spirit. I could go on and on, but we have to understand that we were once dead. Now we're alive. The spirit lives inside of us. And because the spirit is inside of us, it has to come out and expressing the glory of God. And how do we do that? Through truth through truth through the gospel for for what god is and who he stands for and or or what he stands for i I should say and so we we worship his truths we worship i mean there were so many truths that we put up on the screen today that we can stand here and our spirit sing about these truths because god is truth and we can look and here's here's another thing we can actually look like we're worshiping and we're dead I mean the truth of the matter is every one of us at the moment if I were to say, let's all lift our hands and sing as loud as we possibly can we could do that and some of you here today are just empty inside. Because it's never been about the external when it comes to worship. And it's never been about just singing and it's never been just about clapping. It's always been about what's happening inside the heart and expressing what's happening inside the heart. Because the bottom line is I faked it. You've probably faked it. All these people on this stage before have faked it. The chances are many of us have never even known. But God knows. Because it's always been about expressing what's going on inside the heart. I mean, we can look at Luke chapter 7. We see the woman who, who had the alabaster box and, and she poured it out. On Jesus, and, and we looked, and the disciples sat back and going, You know, look what we could have done with that money, and, and how are you going to waste that? And, and she gave everything that she had, and because she couldn't help herself, it was, it was what was going on in her heart, and it had to come out. And he, and he basically rebuked them because when there's, there is true worship, when the Spirit comes alive, and, and when truth comes out, we can't help but to express that and lavish that on. Father now this may be hard to hear and and I know many of you don't like singing hey it, that's okay it's okay that you're here thank you so much for coming and, and being a part and standing and participating I understand you might not have grown up in this style of music but but here's let me here's one thing I want to say to you um, because I hear it as a worship leader so many times and, uh, and I know people have great intentions but maybe the timing is just never right I can't tell you the number of times I've come off the stage and I'm like, you know, somebody's waiting to talk to you and you're like, okay, I'm going to get to pray with this person, you know, and they're going to tell me, like, how I just move them and then they're like, man, you know, could you guys sing this song? I didn't really like those songs that you sang today. Any, any chance you could just, like, sing this song or, man, that music was way too loud. Is there, could y'all talk, and I'm like, that's the sound guy, man. I just play, he, he has control of that. Go talk to him and they never do. And, uh, and so many times in our life, and in my life personally I, I've dealt with people who, who come in with this I will mentality it's not exactly like I want it so I'm not going to participate right it's not the songs I wanted to sing it, it's too loud I want different style I want more hymns it was too long can you please just end the song we have sang that verse you know so many times can just get it over with so I can sit down look understand those are those are all thoughts that many of us have felt at some point in our life but what happens is it shifts from a, a god's will thy will mentality to a i will it's what i want i become the consumer of the worship it has to fit in my parameters i want what i want for me and not what god wants from me so many people they just say you know i'm not going to do this i'm not participating anymore And so we become the audience and we become the spectator. And the tendency in becoming the consumer is we evaluate that. Maybe you did that today. Maybe you sat here as we're singing and you're just evaluating, man, I'm just so glad when this is over. But for many of the people who stand here, this is the opportunity where what is going on inside of us comes out in our expression of who God is. Right? And there's this sense, and I'm just going to be honest with you, there's a sense sometimes as we're up here and while I'm at Princeton that, that I'm performing I'm performing for you. And this morning we said that in our pre-meeting. Like guys, what you do is not about you guys. And I'm sorry to bust your bubble. It's about serving Him. Loving on the kids is not about just you. You get to reap the benefits of us serving Jesus Christ. And so when I stand on the stage, sometimes I'm like, man, I'm not doing a good enough job. People look like they're about to go to sleep. People are like, would you please just end this song? You know, nobody's raising their hands. Nobody's singing. The only time they lift their hands is when they take a sip of coffee. You know, and and that's just these things that go through my mind sometimes because I feel like I'm performing. And I can't help that if I'm just being transparent. And maybe you felt like, and I've had people say this too, man, I I really wish... You know, we missed you Sunday. We, we like this guy, but we like you better. Or, or I've had people say, hey, when's that guy coming back? You know, and I'm like, "God." Ah. So they're talking about me. And that's just, you know, our carnal nature. So we have to fight that. So you have the power to engage in what's going on or not. You have the power, like we said, to give it or withhold it. And that's the I will versus the thy will. And at the end, you may walk out and go, Oh, music was okay. Sermon, if I was on star search for all you old people, I'd give it four out of five stars. For all you young people, I'd have buzzed you on, you know, The Voice or America's Got Talent or or not buzzed you, I'm sorry, giving you the gold star. And so the purpose of worship is to respond. Not respond. I'm not saying lift your hands. I'm not saying singing. I'm saying respond with what's going on in your heart that it comes out in expression in thanksgiving to God. Now, what would happen if all of us came in ready and prepared every single week for what was going to take place in this service? Because the truth of the matter is, I look out a lot of times, and I can only speak because I stand here on this stage, and, and I'm not going to single anybody out. But it's just what it is. Being honest today, I can stand out here on the first song. Sometimes and I'm like, man, where's everybody? And nobody's here today. Like, you know, we could have we could have met out in the coffee shop. We could have met out in the lobby, and then. By the end of worship, it's like, good gracious, where did all these people come from? Because these, these lights are bright up here. and A lot of times you can't see who's in the audience. And so a lot of people, you know, they miss worship. Now, let me just say this to, 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 to level the ground. You know, there's, you're getting kids ready. You're trying to get up. I mean, there's, you're trying to get out of the house. I understand that. I understand that. That happens to all of us. Every single one of us, that happens to us. But, but isn't it funny that people come every single week, and I'm not out here casting songs, I'm just, I'm trying to paint a picture, so let me, get, let me get there, that every single week people come in and miss the entire part or can't make it on time, but they can make it to, to um, the movie, it's on time, they can make it to their job on time, they can make it all these things, and I say that to say, when we come in late, I don't know about you, but I've never gone to a place late and calm, have you? Has anybody ever just gone, been running late? You're dragging kids out of the car like, come on, you know, quit fighting with your sister. You know, get the peas out of your nose. We're running late. P- put your shirt, take your pants, don't put your pants back on, you know. You're dragging kids in. Might be your husband or wife, I don't know. You're trying to get them in. You're rushing, checking the kids in, running in, and you've been calm going into worship. Never has happened. People don't just go, oh man, I just feel so good. They're like, I just want to sit down. Because what happens here, I'm not talking, worship not only takes place here, but what happens here starts with what happens before you get here. And so a lot of times we don't engage because we haven't engaged before we got here. I mean, it's, think about it. If it were like an NFL football team, could you imagine what that looks like? Could you imagine if they said, we're not practicing all week, I mean, there's no need, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we're all just, we're staying home, we're not preparing, but Sundays come, we're suiting up, we're going out there. Let me tell you what it would look like? Cleveland Browns. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying, it would look exactly like that. You know, there's no need for us to prepare, because, uh, now all you Browns fans, I, 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 I wish Pastor Jeremy was still here, because that's, that's his team, but... And so, so much preparation goes into what happens. If we're not getting anything out of, the question we should be asking ourselves is what are we putting into it? If you're not getting, it's like gardening. If you're not putting anything into it, you're probably not going to get anything out of it. Pastor Andrew and I, every year, we go to a Panthers game, right? And uh, we'll go, and and it's kind of like a little guy's weekend. We'll go and play foot golf. It's where you kick the ball in the hole like regular golf or disc golf or um, you know, if they come in regu- any kind of golf they got, we, we play it. Foot golf, disc golf, and regular golf. And we go to the Panthers game. And one of the things that we always do is this. We get there exactly when the doors open, the gates open, because uh, you get a chance to meet the players sometimes. And so there's this one little spot that's there by the tunnel where the Panthers come out. And, and you're standing basically above the tunnel and... They can, they'll let you up until like an hour or 45 minutes before the game you can stand there and as the players come out you can yell at them you can get them to sign the books or, or footballs or anything like that and so we'll always get there when the gates open and so many other people do and so the gate that you come in is here and when you walk in the gate you have to run halfway around the stadium to get to where you stand where the people are and so it is like a mad dash for who can be the first person there Because everybody knows, like, you know, I can get the audio. I can say hey to Cam Newton. I can, you know, Jonathan Stewart, whoever your your person is. And so the last two times, we're like the first people in line because we just have this expectation of what's going to happen, and we know. And so when the gates open, I take off running, and he takes off running, and we try to get down there, and we stand at the right spot. and, And so we're just like little kids trying to meet Santa Claus. And, and so the players come out, we're yelling at them, and some of them stop and some of them, some of them don't. And, and so this last time that we're there, and it, it's so comical when you think of it, the last time we're there, this, this guy comes out and, and he's, you know, like, hey, well, hey man, come on, get, get a signature. And I'm like, I don't even know who this guy is. But I'm pumped up just to see him because he's got a Panthers thing on. And so the guy goes, uh, Andrew goes, hey, man, can I have your gloves? The gloves, catch your, And I think this guy's like a punt returner, like some no-name guy. And he's like, can I have your gloves? The guy's like, yeah, man, sure. And he throws them. And we're like, oh, man, you got his gloves. Oh, yeah. And everybody's pumped, And I'm like, who is that guy? He's like, his name's Dean. And he still plays for the Panthers. His name's Dean Marlowe. And, uh, and everybody's like, oh, you got his gloves. And I'm like, man, I don't even know this guy. But I'm pumped up because why? And I got there early because I had this expectation. And, and, and so my point in saying that is we do this in so many areas of our lives. We prepare ourselves for what's going to take place. But do we ever truly prepare ourselves what's going to take place as it relates to worship? Have we put in the time? Have we quieted our spirit? Have we prepared for what God wants to do? So I want to read from Psalm 100. Because this is is ultimately what what God wants for us. And, And let me just say, like, all throughout the Psalms, we see this picture of of ex- expression, right? this is a way for us to worship is through expression through singing, through clapping, through dancing, through, through, the, um, through shouting, through reading, through meditation, through prayer, there's all types of ways that we can worship so Psalm 100 says make a joyful noise to the Lord and so we get the pre- prerequisite it just has to be a noise joyfully guys if you can't sing, guess what that's okay He didn't say, make sure it's on pitch and it's perfect. He says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. You probably, you might have sat beside that person today like, man, that's, I don't know what it was, but it was a noise, okay? But they did it joyfully and they sang out. And you know what? God was honored by that. He was honored by that noise. And he says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with what? Singing. And if you hate singing, I'm sorry, but it's all throughout there. That's one thing that God's longs for. If you can or can't sing, I feel like Garth Brooks up here with this mic on. That's what I was telling him, like, this mic. But guess what? I love to stand here and sing. And I don't know if some of you love here to And I've, I've sat in front of you. And I'm like, man, you guys can sing, and you're singing out. And that's what God longs for us, to sing to Him. And know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Because why? He's the shepherd who watches over us. Sheep are dumb, y'all. Have you ever seen a sheep do a trick? No. Nobody ever has pet sheep. Like, let me show you what this... Sheep are dumb. And so we need a shepherd and God is our shepherd and we're in His pasture and He's watching over us. But what does He want from us? He wants us to express our love, what's going on inside of us, to Him. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. In other words, when you come in, he wants you to be thankful for what you've been blessed and what you have. Come into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Why? For he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And is faithful to all generations. And so he gives us somewhat of a formula of how to approach him. There's no shortcuts Right? There's no shortcuts. Like, God's like, okay, if you don't want to do that, then here's what you need to do. He's saying, no, if you want to come to me, here's what I want. I want you to come to me. And, and sometimes it's hard, guys. We don't feel it. I don't feel it. And you know what? That's okay. I think God is, is honored by that. Even though we don't feel it, we say, God, you know, allow my heart. Even though I've had just the worst week been laid off, you know, whatever the situation is, I want to come to you transparent. I know that you still love me. I know that I'm still a sheep. I want to worship and I want to serve you. And so God's call and requirement for singing, we see in in Psalm 96.1, I don't need to be on the screen, but he just talks about singing a new song. It's not because he needs it. Here's the thing. God does not need your singing. It's not like you're serenading him and making him feel better. You know, like when you come home from a bad day of work, it's like, honey, I'm going to lay up on this couch and if you just rub my feet, I mean, man, this is what I need right now. Right? If you just, could I get a massage? I'm telling you, it has been it has been tough. This week has been rough. I mean, this would really help me. God's not up in heaven going, man, this is tough work, keeping these stars aligned, keeping all these planets. Like, y'all don't even know how. Could y'all just serenade, serenade me and sing? It would make me feel so much better. Because in truth, like what are we even bringing to Him? A song it says, the earth shouts and proclaims the right, the glory of God. The very fact that the birds sing in the air and the trees grow and all of that to the glory of God. I mean, when you think about it, we don't really have that much to offer, do we? But He wants that from us. He wants us to sing to Him. It's, our voice does not compare to the universe. It's actually humorous when you think about it. I mean, when you go to New Zealand and you, you see the galaxies and all the things that he's created and displayed, and here you are, he says, you know what, I want to know you. I want to hear your voice. I want you to come with joy in your heart. I want you to come with thanksgiving. I want you to clap. I want you to, to sing. I want you to shout. I want you to dance. And, and guess what? If you do all those things and your heart's not in it, he said, I'd rather your heart, because it's about what's inside your heart. And so we have to go from I will to a thy will We can't be just the consumers Here's what you need to say to yourself Say I am the producer Say it with me I am the producer I, you, we are the ones Who are the ones that are producing For him He is the audience of one People say And and I may have said this on accident a second ago I'm not really sure Because I say a lot of things up here But you say well I just don't feel it Right Right just, I'm here today and I just don't feel it. it you know, it's, it's got to be right. You know, it's, it's too bright in here. It's, it's, it's too dark in here. I, it's not the right song. It's not the right singer. When we say all those things, guess what? That's the I will attitude. It's not thy will. And so we can't base worship on music or a feeling because, you know what? Those have never been uh, created to sustain us. Music alone will not sustain our worship. The atmosphere, the lighting, the, the, all of that will not and has never been intended to to, uh, sustain us when it comes to worship. It's always been about what's on the inside coming out. And not just in here, but also out in the world. How you love others, how you serve others, how you give of yourself, those are all acts of worship to God. When you see Him as your provider, your worship changes. When you see Him as your Savior, guess what? Your worship changes. When you see Him as grace and mercy, your worship changes. And when you see Him as where every good and perfect gift comes from, your worship changes. And so here's what our mindset should be as we enter in worship. I'm just going to read it. It says, I've come today not because I have something magnificent to bring to Him, But he promises to be here. And I know that the glory of God is working on me and he is transforming in me whether I feel it or not. So our minds must change about what worship actually is. Because here's the thing, what's taking place in worship is this, God is working on us and through us, even while we sing. God promises to be here in our midst because we've gathered together in his name. And God's glory and worth are being proclaimed. And because of that, He is honored. And that's what He wants. And we are being obedient. When you stand here and sing and worship, you are being obedient to what He says in His Word. And so we can't neglect that. Now, when you look at the whole book of Psalms, I mean, <laughs> there's so many things in there. But all throughout, we sing this idea uh, of worship illustrations. And, and we get. The idea that in the end, when you look at Revelations, you see all the people falling on their face before God. It says, I mean, you know, I I can't even imagine. I mean, I can can guess, but I can't imagine what that will be like when every knee will bow. The people who have said that God is not God, there's no God, the atheist, whatever. It says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that He is Lord. And then we can see, you know, that the angels sit around his throne and they, they sing, holy, holy, holy as the Lord God Almighty. And then, you know, we see this picture of one day us standing before him and worshiping him and worshiping with all the other believers. And so, if you don't like worship, guess what? You're going to hate heaven. I'm just telling you, it's, it's, it's not me, this is not me speaking. This is, you know, what the Bible says. I mean, we will and, and are going to worship him And it will be totally different there. But right now, I mean, we have the opportunity every single Sunday and Thursday here to come together as a body of believers to proclaim His worth, to lift our voices, to clap, to sing all because of the glory of God and express to Him. Again, it's never been about getting a response from the stage. It's always been about what's going on in the heart. So I want to just kind of ask you as we begin to close here, have you guys... Because I know I have had the consumer mentality of I want it how I want it. And when it's not how I want it, I just won't participate. The I will versus the thy will. And it's saying to God, it's not about what I feel, it's about the truth of what I know. It's the connection between our spirit and God's spirits to bring glory and honor to Him, it's about His will and not ours. So I want to ask you, how are you worshiping today? How are you worshiping today? How are you worshiping when you walk out this door today? Have you ascribed Him to be the highest worth in your life? Have you said, God, I want you to be number one. I want you to be Lord. And maybe if you have it, maybe you'll do that today. So as we close, I just want to pray. And I want to ask you, where you are, what's your view? Have you been a consumer? And is it more about you than it is Him? You can can fake it. You could say, yeah, and we would never know. But ultimately, God knows. And so, Father, my prayer today is this. That in view of Your mercy, in view of Your grace, in view of all that You've done for us, Father, we would ascribe you as the highest thing in our life, God. That we would adore your name. That we would take a moment and step back and say, Lord, I confess that I have made it more about me than I've made it about you. And Father, I can, and if you've done that, I just right now just say, just repent, confess that. Father, I do, I confess, if I've made it about anything else other than you, if I've stood on the stage and I've sung and I've led and and ever wanted anybody to look or give uh, me praises or or affirmations, God, I repent and I confess of that. And you know my heart because I want it to be about you. Because I can't do anything. My singing is nothing. My clapping, God, is nothing. Nothing in light of what you've done. But I know that's what you want from me. And so God, I want to be obedient and surrender that to you. And ultimately, my prayer is this. At all of our locations, God, I pray that the spirit, the heart of worship would be transformed. or that we would worship you in spirit and in truth in the way that you want for us. That we would never stand on the stage and lead for for the wrong motives God but we would always seek to bring glory to your name and I pray for every person that's here in this room today as they walk out or that you would just wrestle with them that you battle and maybe you are right now Lord if we've given it everything else in our life worship and we haven't put you as the priority God I pray that you just deal with them Holy Spirit I believe that you will do it I can't change anyone God it is only you who can change and transform my heart And so if you've done that, confess to Him today. Repent of Him. Repent to Him today and say, Lord, I'm sorry. And I want to be obedient. And Father, I believe that You'll be honored and glorified in that. And if you've never followed Jesus, if you've never made Him the Lord of your life, then I invite you today right where you are to confess to Him, to come to Him. Maybe you've been working, He's been working on you over the last few weeks. Maybe just In this message, maybe today, you say, man, I've not made him the the Lord of my life. You can do that today. You can confess to him today. We're going to have some prayer team people here at the the altar. We we would love to pray with you and talk to you about that, talk about your next steps, but don't leave today with that on your heart. Settle that and know that you have a future and eternity with him. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said together.